Thank you, Rosalie. We have the promises of God in his word. One of the things that you've probably noticed if you're here is that things are different. The rows are different. The hymnals and the Bibles have been taken out uh, as suggested that we do uh, for health reasons. And so things are different. You also notice that because of we are live streaming, that other things are different as well. Now you, I'm going to ask a question. What do these up here have in common? And uh, uh, Russell would be here, and Forrest would be here, and Troy would be here if they were not in Minneapolis. What do they have? In common, let's find out. Helen Schreiber, an oncology nurse. Katie Gunderson, oncology nurse. Brian Cargill, firefighter. Daryl Pegarigan, Samaritan's Purse. So what do they all have in common? Servant. Servant. Do you sense the theme? I hope you do. And I hope that uh, by the time we're done this morning, that theme will not just be a theme for this Sunday morning, but be a theme in your life. We are beginning the book, a uh, study of 2 Corinthians. And so we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Use, those of you at home can help your kids find that uh, uh, so that they can follow along. We've read that already. Pastor Lee read that. There are many different personalities up here this morning, many different characters. And since Forrest is gone, that's one of the, uh, you know, he's really a guy of character if you get to know him very well. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Now, he's already written his first letter to them. And his first letter was uh, pointing out all of the sin. He, he started the church. He worked there for a year and a half. And then he hears that uh, they are doing things that certainly do not fit in the lives of believers. Now, maybe you've gone through a period like that. Ugh, I'm a believer. Maybe you're in the middle of a period like that. I'm a believer, but I'm not acting like it. And Paul had to write uh, the letter of 1 Corinthians to uh, say, hey, things are not right. You turned your back on those things when you gave your life to Christ, and yet they're creeping back in. Somebody says uh, said that, the church is a lot like Noah's Ark, that if it weren't for the rain on the outside, we could hardly stand the stench on the inside. Now, that's a picture of 1 Corinthians, but it's not to be the picture of 2 Corinthians. Uh, I, I, I like to think that 2 Corinthians, now they have progressed to the place where they're a hospital, like what I like to say about this church, that we're a hospital 
Those that are sick come to be healed. Those that are healed take care of the sick when they come. And so uh, I, I believe that's where they are when they get to 2 Corinthians. And he writes this. And so uh, dealing with their sin and their struggle, just like we uh, go through these uh, periods of dealing with our struggles and our sin. And so that's uh, why we get to 2 Corinthians here. He says, now there is a reason, a reason to be a servant. Now, most of the time, you, you see, uh, they said servant, 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 because that's what they are. Civil servants, servants to others. But that's what we are to be. Now, there is a motivator that Paul is bringing out in this chapter to help us understand that it is worth becoming a servant. Most of the time when somebody, uh, you ask somebody, do you want to be a servant? It's thanks, but no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. That's not really uh, what I signed up for. The, who signed me up for this? Like the the uh, kindergartner that went to school and and the first day, you know, and he colored and he did all of the things that a kindergarten will do. And, and the teacher said, uh, well, I will, it's time to go home, get your things together. I will see you tomorrow. And the, uh, the kindergartner looked up, tomorrow. And the teacher said, yes, you're going to be coming to school every day. Uh, and he said, Really, every day? Who signed me up for this anyway? Uh, and that's what we think of with servants. Ah, I didn't sign up to be a servant. I signed up to have a spotlight, or I signed up to, to uh, have a, a big business, or I signed up to retire, or whatever it might be. But now we get into 2 Corinthians. He says, here is the motivation for being a servant. And it's a three-letter word. And you can guess that it is J-O-Y. The motivation for being a servant is joy. In fact, joy comes by being a servant. Um, People want joy, don't they? But they just don't know where to find it. And they look for it in some obvious places, and we might say, well, that, that sounds right, where to look for joy. A promotion, that's a good place to look for joy. Or an inheritance, okay, there's joy there. Uh, maybe the stimulus check, I <laughs> can't wait for the stimulus check to get here. I hope yours got here. Mine finally came. Um, the uh, plastic surgery may, might bring you joy. Maybe it's losing a pound brings you joy. Maybe it's marrying that special person that brings you joy. But joy comes by serving. Real joy comes by being a servant. In your mind, I don't want you to be thinking thanks, but no thanks. Because every believer is called to be a servant. And that's what uh, Pastor Lee read when he read those verses. You're called to be a servant. Don't say thanks, but no thanks. Now, sometimes you wonder why you're here on this earth. 
Uh, we're not here to satisfy ourselves. Although, stop and think about it. Why are you here? I mean, and you'll say, well, I know it's not just to, to make myself happy. Yet, what decisions do you make every day? What are the primary reason you make those decisions? I'm thinking if we really stop and think about it, it is to make me happy. Doesn't the world revolve around you? I, I know it revolves around me, and I, I, I have to uh, keep kicking myself off the throne because it just seems like uh, I want everything to be done for me. But that's not where joy is going to come from. Joy is going to come from being a servant. We uh, are here with a ministry to bless others. It's hard to believe, but the result will be joy. And so Paul's conclusion through this book of 2 Corinthians, as we will find out, is that there is joy in serving Jesus. Now, we used to sing that chorus. There's joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus, joy that reigns within my heart. Uh, every moment, every hour, as I draw upon his power, there is joy, joy, joy that never shall depart. That's true. It comes from not just Second Corinthians, but the theme in the New Testament. There is joy in serving Jesus. But what does a servant look like? Uh, you saw. They, they all look different. And they do different things. But Jesus gives us some advice about a servant in Matthew 20, and I'm just going to read a couple verses from Matthew 20. Keep your fingers in 2 Corinthians if you're turning. Matthew 20, beginning with verse 26, says this, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your servant, minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. To give his life. Be a servant. Give his life. And that's what a servant looks like. And now we get to 2 Corinthians, and Paul begins to flush out a servant for us. When our kids are, were little, they... What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, that question. Well, I want it for them, you know, fireman or a teacher or a policeman. Or, uh, now we've got our grandkids. They've got different expectations. One of them says, I want to grow up to be a princess and have a shell that will turn me into a mermaid. <laughs> what? You know, I never wished for that when I was a kid. Uh, but it's, so it's hard to tell. But one thing I have not heard, what do you want to grow up, be when you grow up? A servant. He said, no. Yeah, but a kid won't say that. What about you? I, I often kid, well, when I, I grow up, I want to be a, a, go to missionaries and be a small engine repairman, fix their motor scooters and stuff. Uh, when I grow up, I'm still... That, that might be out there for me. I don't know what God has for me. Uh, but Paul says, okay, here, let's generalize a little bit instead of being too specific. And he says in verse 6, 
And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation or your comfort and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your comfort and salvation. What is a servant? He points out three things here, but the first is a servant suffers for others. You got that? A servant suffers for others. And it's not like when I tell you I'm going to take, go to, in February, I'm going to go to Cozumel, and I'm going to suffer for Jesus in Cozumel. That's not, that's not really what he is talking about here. Uh, it is, uh, what do you call suffering? Is there something that you do that you might call suffering? Uh, you, uh, you only got one donut for breakfast. That's suffering for Jesus because you were in a hurry to make it to the service this morning. So you're suffering. For, you had to get up early this morning. So that, is, that might be what you consider suffering. Uh, maybe it's volunteering for the nursery. That's suffering. Maybe it's uh, skipping lunch to get a project done. Maybe it's teaching the junior, junior high boys Sunday school class. Okay, that is suffering. But uh, what do you consider suffering? I had a hard time with this. Do I suffer for others? That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I might need to revamp my schedules. I might need to revamp my thinking in order to suffer for others. What about you? Is there any way that you really suffer for others? Well, maybe on the way in here, uh, there was a lady by the side of the road and her vehicle had a flat tire and you got out and you got on your knees and you took that tire off and you changed the tire and, and in a way that might be some suffering. By doing that, uh, suffering for others. But I have a hard time knowing what suffering really is. Um, I, I've had some injuries, and so the suffering of uh, a shoulder dislocated all the time when I was in college. You know, it would pop out, and then it would suffer until I could pull it and get it to go back in and had surgery then, and a little bit of, of suffering, but... Uh, that's not really what Paul is talking about here. Um, maybe you've lost a loved one. That can be suffering. Maybe you're going through cancer. That can be suffering. Maybe through some other illustration, uh, uh, some other incident. I know uh, Shirley Walleen just heard last night that she'd been in the hospital. I'm not sure if she's still there, but she's out now. But she'd been in the hospital because... Uh, she had been sick for months, and now she has to go back in and have surgery and have a, have a kidney stone blasted, and, and a, that's, that would be suffering, I would think. For some, it's being confined in your apartment, um, and some of you on live stream, that's getting to you, the suffering. But in this Second Corinthians, Paul is suffering, but he is not suffering for himself. So suffer, uh, we need to suffer for others. How are we doing that? A, a mother at childbirth knows what it's like to suffer for somebody else. And then the joy that comes. I think caregivers know what it is to suffer for others. Some of these up here are caring for uh, you know, other people, and they suffer. They go out of their way. I think of the 
caregivers that have contracted COVID-19 because they are caring for others. And so now they are suffering. Uh, as of Thursday, 62,690 cases of caregivers getting COVID-19. So 62,690, uh, 294 caregivers died of COVID-19. They were suffering. They suffered for others. So they would understand that. The ultimate picture is Jesus on the cross suffering and dying for others. And that's what Matt, uh, Jesus said there in Matthew, the verses that we read. He died on the cross that we might have life, suffer for others. Is there some way you can suffer for somebody else? Well, it might be that you suffer for somebody else. You suffer for your wife. And you, you will do things when, maybe when you're really tired and you say, well, I'm going to do this for her. Or you suffer for your neighbor that uh, you will go and you will rotor till their garden or you will uh, cut down trees or you will show you're willing to give of yourself. But a servant suffers for others. Um, if you want to be a servant when you grow up, then you will need to suffer for others. If you want joy in your life, suffer for others. Maybe it's sharing Jesus with somebody that, that uh, is, is obstinate, but you just keep praising the Lord in front of them. Or maybe it's to win an abusive spouse, uh, and you're going to suffer for Christ, you will receive joy. So suffer for others if you want to be a servant. If you want, uh, if you want joy, uh, a servant comforts others, verses 3 and 4. It says, uh, you comfort God the Father is the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. So he comforts us so that we can comfort others. Now, there are ladies in our church family here that uh, have mentioned to me, okay, I was abused as a, as a girl, as a child, as sexually abused. If you know of someone else that is really struggling with this, let them give me a call. Let me, uh, or I will give them a call. You just let me know. So they are uh, willing to, because they went through this, they can comfort somebody else. Uh, maybe domestic abuse. They go through this. They suffer through it so that they can help somebody else that is suffering through it. Maybe somebody who's experienced a number of of miscarriages, and we've got some in this church that said, okay, we have gone through this a number of times. If, if somebody is struggling with it, then uh, let them call me or I will call them. Just let me know. Maybe it's somebody that's experienced the death of a, of a, a child, a, an older child. Uh, certainly uh, suffering that takes place there. Maybe it's depression. Uh, depression to the point of suicide. Randy, could you come up here? 
Why do we go through these things? What have you gone through that might be uh, an opportunity for you to encourage somebody else or comfort somebody else? Randy? Morning. I was asked uh, by Pastor Dave to share an experience in my life with all of you today. Uh, it can be a touchy subject and one that no one really wants to talk about because people think that we are weak and selfish. The word suicide has become far too common a word that we hear and affects so many lives. With today's economy, the news and loss of jobs, income and retirement slashed to uncomfortable levels, the feeling of helplessness and despair often lead to anxiety, depression, and even suicide. When someone is depressed, it is hard to see suicide coming. It is often when someone is going to end their life that they have an appearance like they are feeling better, only in their mind to have a plan to end their pain. Approximately 20 years ago, I was facing that struggle, that struggling in so many areas of my life, drinking at times just to forget about my day. Uh, it was a very dark time for me. After struggling with a coworker, I had enough, walked off my job, and at the time, I thought it was a good idea because I would just find a better job and better income, feel better about myself. But that was not the case. It only compounded my issues, and I really, truly hit rock bottom. My plan was to grab my rifle and the cleaning supplies and make it look like an accident with no note. I had a day off, and Carrie was at work. I went to the closet where I kept my hunting rifle, opened the closet door, and picked up the rifle ready to call it quits. Suddenly, a feeling came over me, and I started thinking of my friends, my family, people on North Ambulance, the Brainerd Police Department, Brainerd Fire Department, and anybody else that may know me from being on the fire department. And even worse yet, Carrie coming home to find me. Only to mess someone else's life up because of me. When Carrie came home, I broke down and told her what had happened, and I need help. So we scheduled an appointment with the doctor and I shared with her of what happened. She asked me how I was able to turn away and I told her my friends, my family, and Carrie. Even though she knew I was struggling, she told me that I was a weird one and when people get that far along, usually succeed. Looking back, I can only say that God wasn't done with me yet. You are not alone, please ask for help. You are loved. If I would have succeeded that day, I wouldn't know many of you here today and Isaac never would have been born. So why did he go through this? And why would he suffer to share it with you? So that he might be comfort to you when you reach the point. And, and maybe you are there now or where the, the, uh, the stress is built up in you. Why do we go through these things? It isn't just to go through them. It isn't just to get to the other side. Paul says we go through those so that we can comfort others. We suffer so that we can comfort others. Christ uh, encourages us. We're then to pass that encouragement onto others. God draws alongside of us so that we can draw alongside of others. Comfort them. That's what servants do. Uh, I, I heard that... 
the Titanic as it was going down that they gathered, the Christians gathered there on the deck and they sang, Near my God to thee. Why were they doing that? They were to in, encouraging each other to consider what they had before them and not what they were leaving. They considered what they were, had God and eternity with him uh, ahead of them. And so God blesses us so that we might bless others. My heart is humbled when I uh, hear of those that are giving to COVID-19, our, our pastor's fund, and, and uh, you know whether it be much or whether it be little, God has blessed them in some way to the point where they say, I want to be a blessing to those that have needs. And you have been a great blessing. There have been a, a, a thousands of dollars given to those that had real needs uh, because of your generosity, accepting what God gives you to pass on to those who need comfort. And so God comforts us so we can comfort others. That's what verse 5 says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation or comfort also abounds by Christ to others here. So a servant suffers for others, a servant comforts others, and the last is a servant brings hope to others. Verse 7 is hope. And our hope for you is steadfast. It is sure. There is hope. And so that's why we're here, to give hope to a hopeless world. And we live in a hopeless world, don't we? I mean, the, the, the people down on Lake Street and well, all across uh, now the nation, uh, there are hopeless things going on in their lives. They need hope. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, an old-time preacher, says, There is one thing which gives radiance to everything. It is the idea of something around the corner. It's just around the corner. I see this... Uh, the things that are happening, going on in this world, and I say, wow, it's just around the corner. Christ is going to come. You know, there are some races that, that I've been in and, and others of you have been in, and you know that when you get within five, ten miles of the finish line, somebody is going to say, you're almost there. Oh, yeah, I know exactly where I am. I know there's still a lot of suffering to go on. Uh, my GPS tells me I'm, it's not just around the corner, but you're almost there. Uh, I look at the events in Minneapolis, and I say, we're almost there. Lord, even so, come. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Uh, take us away. I think of Dick and Carla and out there just recently. And they're almost there. You're almost there, Dick. You're almost there, Carla. And maybe others that, you're almost there. Well, won't that be exciting for me? That's exciting to, to hear, I'm almost there. And so uh, servants of Christ are to be carriers, not of the COVID-19 virus, but carriers of hope to those around us. Jesus has delivered us from the destructive viruses of sin. And uh, he continues to deliver us. And that is hope for us. He will continue to care for us. So we as servants are to proclaim that hope to others. How are we doing? 
Are we letting others know that, hey, there is hope in Christ? Now, when we hear, when somebody dumps on us, but do we say, yeah, but this is great because Jesus could come any day. All of this is happening. Yeah, but Jesus could come. Jesus has saved me. Jesus has forgiven me of sin. You know, positive people are to proclaim hope, and I hope that we are positive people. We have so much in Christ, no matter what happens on this earth. We have Christ, and we have his promises, as Rosalie sang this morning in her special number. So do you want to grow up to be a servant? Well, uh, maybe I should ask, do you want to experience real joy? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to grow up to be a servant? Uh, thanks, but no thanks. Well, they go together. Uh, you don't have one without the other. Uh, people around you need to sense that uh, God's presence is with you and then need to feel him as they feel your hands as soon as we can touch each other again and to comfort uh, feel that comfort and to hear Christ's words in our voices. Let's grow up to be servants. Jesus doesn't want to hear thanks, but no thanks. So my challenge for myself from first, uh, 2 Corinthians 1 is Dave Grotsky, servant. Can you say that? I'll struggle with it until I die. But I need to remember that. Dave Grotsky, servant. Where does it begin? It begins by giving your life to Jesus Christ. There are many that serve people but do not serve God because they have never given their sin to Christ. They have never placed their faith in the work that Jesus did on the cross. They have never cried out and asked God to forgive them and save them through Jesus Christ, believing that he died on the cross for you, he was buried, he rose again the third day, and he reigns and he lives and intercedes for us before the throne of his Father in heaven. That's where it begins. If you have never placed your faith in Christ, no matter how much you serve, it won't bring you joy. Let's pray. Father, my prayer, Dave Grotsky, servant. I'm praying that we remember, remember this chapter in 2 Corinthians. Whenever our pride wells up, and we need to be right, or we need to be heard, or we need our way, help me to remember Dave Grotsky, servant, that I might be willing to suffer for others, comfort others, bring hope to others. I pray the same for those that are watching on live stream. I pray the same for those that are here with us this morning. We thank you that we do not do it in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for that help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.